You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart you can finally start to live your truthiest life. Welcome back to the Truthiest Life. This is part two of our birth story. Part one is already live. Today you are getting the actual story of what happened the night I went into labor. If you missed episode one, I urge you, I ask you to please go back and listen so you can get the full picture and get a whole better understanding of how Evan and I arrived at our decisions that were best for us so that you can make the decisions that are best for you. This is a serious conversation. We're sitting on the other side of this happy, healthy, and safe with our baby girl. But, you know, things can go wrong and we really don't want to minimize that in the conversation. And we want to make sure that you know that we don't have any judgments about how you choose to labor or birth. And all we really care about is that you know what's best for you and you advocate for yourself and know how to advocate for yourself. In this episode, we're sharing the intimate details of what happened the night that I went into surprise labor very quickly, why Evan delivered me over the toilet bowl in our house, just the three of us, and all the details that kind of happened that night, including pooping during labor and some medical things that you might not know about, like cord cutting or delayed cord cutting, different options that you have, as well as saving cord blood and different things that you can do, whether you're having a home or a hospital birth. I'm also going to share some of the post-labor surprises that I had, like the things immediately after birth that I was not expecting. And I, I think that it's really important that as somebody who really prepared for the labor aspect, 
I was not prepared for the immediate after effects of the labor, as well as some of the postpartum stuff. Postpartum stuff can be an entirely different episode, but I do want you to know what to expect immediately after so that you can understand that it doesn't look as blissful as many of the pictures I've seen online with women in their hospital gowns, makeup, hair kind of done, smiling with their babies. There's a lot of unglamour that happens immediately right after that you should know about. So that after you give birth, you're kind of prepared that the hard part isn't completely over just yet. Anyway, I kept saying throughout this pregnancy that I just want my baby to pop out of me. I was really fearful of labor in some ways. I did raspberry leaf tea and dates. I made a TikTok on this actually that that got a lot of views, maybe went a little bit viral. And people, you know, in the comments like, yes, this helped me. I popped a baby out in three hours. Other people like not enough research to support this or I did this. It didn't help me. All I can say is I did the dates, the raspberry leaf tea, and I popped a baby out. No, but in all seriousness, who knows if that contributed or not. But I I did certainly pop out a baby. The word that I keep using that I don't think I used in this podcast is I felt like baby solely was expulted from my body. And I want to make sure that I use that word because I think it's super descriptive and different than how I've seen labor spoken about before. It really feels like the mom has to push and do so much. But this baby like wanted to leave my body. And I think it really best describes the sensation that I've otherwise never had before. There is a force leaving my body and it wasn't me in control. Yes, I was in labor, but there was something happening beyond me that was both absolutely terrifying and frightening, pushing me to my limits. But at the same time, happening in motion. And that feels really empowering. It makes me feel a little bit like a superhero. And we're all superheroes because I didn't have a unique experience. I just allowed what was happening to my body to happen and follow those cues. One other thing I want to mention and It might be a little out there for everybody, but for those of you who maybe have had children before, the one thing I keep kind of circling back to is that it felt really familiar. And given I've never given birth before, I've never done this before, I'm trying to wrap my head around why. It was kind of like, maybe I felt just like the energy of all the women that have done it before me and the cumulative power of it, or maybe it's a past life thing, or maybe I'm just kind of crazy. But even though it was my first time, there was something super familiar about laboring and birth for me that I can't quite seem to shake. So kind of curious if any of you have ever had that, or you just think I'm crazy. Either way, all good. Anyway, I really hope you enjoy this episode. We, since recording it, have had major flood to our house. A storm came through, a different storm that we mentioned in the episode. Our house is absolutely upside down. And I had said prior to releasing this that I would have this episode out by Sunday. And with everything going on, it was just too crazy. But ultimately, an Instagram follower came through. So I just want to shout out to Lila, who helped me edit this episode to get it out in time amidst the chaos of our house flooding and all these things. It's been a really different postpartum experience these last few days and with so much chaos going on than what I envisioned for my baby in our peaceful home. But nonetheless, it continues to make me, Evan, me and my baby stronger and stronger. And we're super lucky to be safe. And I hope all of you listening are also safe from that. So thank you so much for listening. Without further ado, here's our absolutely crazy, crazy birth story. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life, this special bonus episode finally sharing our birth story. I know a lot of people 
are really interested because if you are just tuning in for the first time or don't know, Tuesday, August 24th at 5.52 a.m., I had my very first baby girl, Soleil Ray Schlafmitz, and she was delivered by my husband, Dr. Evan Schlafmitz, in our home over a toilet with no other medical personnel anywhere nearby. Or anyone nearby. Or anyone nearby. Evan is a doctor. He's a cardiologist. He has delivered 28 babies, he says. However, that was 15 years ago in your med school about, training. About 15 years ago as a med student with a lot of other resources there. And this was not the plan. There were many parts of our plan, or as I call them, birth preferences, for good reason. As you see, no plan is ever a plan. But um, this was not anything that we expected to happen. We were in an emergency situation because my labor progressed so quickly. I guess me, Evan, and my birth team kind of inaccurately diagnosed or recognized how quickly things were progressing. And so no one else could get there. And Evan had to leap into action. And, you know, it's funny because no matter what, this would have been a home birth, (laughs) not the way we had planned or the way we envisioned it. But nonetheless, even if I was planning on a hospital birth, I wouldn't have made it to a hospital either. So this is a part two, which means there is a part one where I go back in time, we go back in time. And we tell you everything that happened the last nine months, all the education that I received on different ways to have birth, all the mental changes that I went through on what informed my decision to try to plan for a home birth in general. And I really want to urge you to go back and listen to it because it's so important that you make the responsible choice for you. There is no right way to have a baby. And home birth, I feel like, might be considered trendy to some, crazy to others. But regardless of your thoughts on it, I'm going to be speaking about my home birth experience, which ended up being a safe environment for me and the baby. But again, that was based on all the factors that we break down into what informed our choice. And um, we're very lucky to be sitting on this side of things without any, any regrets. I do not believe that it is the best choice for every single person. Um, and I truly believe that you need to dig deep and know, you know, connect with your baby, connect with your body, connect with how you do in fearful situations and to decide how you want to go about having your birth experience. But again, you can plan. But as you will see with our story, God really does the planning or the execution. We want you to get curious. We want you to learn about the different ways that you can have different birthing options. Um, There's so many ways. There's so many ways to go about doing it. But again, we just want you to make the safest choice and understand why we went about making ours. Hopefully before you listen to this episode, but if it is after, please go back and take a listen to really understand what a midwife does, what a doula is, why I saw an OB as well, and the cautious choices that we made along the way while staying open-minded and not fixating on one being better than the other. And I think seeing you go through labor, there's a lot of people that this is not an option for at all would have no interest in doing a you know, drug-free birth, something without any sort of pain medication. I think most people would be taking medication before we even talk about it. Which is fine if that's what you need right. to do to stay calm and in control of your body. So Definitely. in that last episode, we talk all about epidurals, the pros, the cons, why I specifically didn't want one. However, (laughs) I will tell you if I ended up in the hospital, 
knowing what it feels like and having it available there, I probably would have gotten one. And that's that's kind of our approach with everything. It's make the best decision for you as you're in your unique situation. And at that moment. And I think like Evan and I really want to move away from the stigma that like even natural is better. I think safe birth is better. And whatever you need to do to achieve that for yourself and your family are going to be the best options for you. So I'm so happy to share our story, but we do want to influence responsibly and give a lot of disclaimers here that this this isn't for everybody. And we're, we're super lucky and blessed and sitting on the positive other side of this story being able to tell. It. Of course, there's a lot of risk involved both to mother and baby with any birth, whether it's in a hospital or at home. And obviously that risk is, is higher when it is at home. And we're very fortunate in the way it played out. Yeah, that's true. But I think also one thing that we did learn or that I learned at least is if you're not a high risk pregnancy, the popular belief is that it's dangerous to have a home birth, which is not necessarily true as well. So I also want everybody to leave here feeling really empowered, knowing that birth it does not necessarily need to be a medicalized thing. When there is need for medical intervention, you certainly want to be nearby to a doctor or a surgeon and all those things. But for many women, it doesn't require medical intervention. Most of the time, it probably doesn't. And, and you go into it with some education because throughout the whole pregnancy, you're getting constant feedback, whether it's from your OB or your midwife, of what your risk is and what the baby's risk is as well. So most people have an idea if they are high risk. Another thing I learned, too, is that the hospital also can introduce higher risk or more difficult labors by way of the the things that make it easier, such as even the epidural, which, again, no thoughts negative or positive, but it may slow down your birth. It may make you more out of touch with the sensations that guide you towards pushing, which means a longer birth, um, a longer labor, I should say, and which means, you know, more constant monitoring of the baby and possible changes in the baby's heart rate and all that stuff. And the one disclaimer, we, you could have a non-high risk pregnancy. We have a lot of disclaimers. Yeah, we have a lot for this, as rightfully so. But you could have a non-high risk pregnancy and Mm. it could still be a high risk delivery because emergencies happen in delivery. And, you know, we didn't have the luxury of fetal monitoring. Obviously, we didn't need it. And, you know, most of the time it's probably fine without that during delivery, but Except in the times that it's not. I've been in the hospital and seen emergencies where it's a very dangerous situation, even with all the medical resources. So, you know, those type of situations, you definitely would want to be in a hospital. Right. It's like you go to the hospital and you get monitored for every single thing. And if there's a problem, then you're really grateful that you were monitored. Other times... It's a burden to everyone else, but the reason why you're being... But more than a burden, it might actually, you know... Somebody might take a hyper-cautious intervention to protect you, but that ends up causing a complication in some way. So there's pros and cons to really all of this. Definitely. Well, you can't predict the future, and you try in anything in life, try to minimize risk. Yeah. So for us, I've talked a lot about communicating with my baby during pregnancy, and everyone's like, "How how did you communicate with your baby? And, you know, I don't know how to explain it other than if you are pregnant, take time to get quiet, and there's there's communication. Like, you just feel instincts. And home repetitively just kept coming up for me to the point where I felt really confident that this was the best thing for me. I could not envision a hospital birth, so we prepared for a traditional home birth, which can look like a lot of different things. But for us, it was 
to, you know, when I went into labor to call my midwife and my doula, they'd arrive, we'd have a um, birthing pool set up. Water birth is what I kind of pictured myself having, which is one of the ways that you can have labor, by the way. We talked a lot about that in the last episode, too, that you don't need to be flat on your back in a bed. In fact, that is very uncomfortable and the opposite of instinctual for many women. So yeah, I pictured myself in the birth pool with the lights off, with I I, <laughs> I spent days leading up to my actual labor decorating the room that I wanted to have the baby with string lights and mantra cards, thinking that this was going to be a two-day thing. Tea light, like tea candles Yeah, everywhere. we had candles. I had flowers. I actually remember when we were heading down the night of labor, I grabbed a picture, the baby picture yeah, of myself. Of and, yeah. I'm still down there, I think. So for me, you know, we had the room It was all about the atmosphere. I pictured myself using the, a tool called hypnobirthing. So hypnobirthing was a course that I took back in June, and it is a technique for relaxation to get you through the more difficult stages of labor. Many women swear by it. Many women say that in the height of pain, it didn't come through for them at all. But it involves breathing techniques. It involves um, listening to meditation. It involves visualization. And I was really a dedicated hypnobirthing student. And so was Evan by way of being my partner. So what do we do every night for most of July? Definitely like every night of August. Lisa refused to go to bed without playing the hypnobirthing track. So every single night before going to bed, we would play the track. Yeah, it's called the rainbow meditation. And it would... It would knock me out, but it would actually knock you out so much more intensely to the point where you still don't know what it's about. Right. We both, it was about I like, made it to the end a few times. We had gone about three weeks and we both kept having the deepest sleep. And then like one day we, we said, do you have any idea what they talk about? And we realized neither of us knew a single thing after this is Hypnobirthing by Maria <laughs> Mango. And that's <laughs> it. That's the intro That's the first line. thing they say. There wasn't a single word either of us could recall. Over time then, actually, I think we both then were more mindful and purposeful, and there was a lot more that there's we no were able to way. retain. Well, there's yeah. no wrong way. No, you're not it supposed worked. to retain yeah. it. They use repetitive phrases and speak in a certain way, so it's, it's supposed to do that. Most people would kind of say that. And so that was the track that I planned to play during the some of the stages of labor. So I think labor's three stages, and I don't know one, two, and three. But one, you know, is many hours. Your contractions are maybe starting. I don't know if I have this completely right. And you you want to, you know, breathe through it and you have time to play hypnobirthing tracks, to look at mantra cards, to do all of that. My plan was to use hypnobirthing to get me through the more painful parts of it, to breathe through it, to kind of like let my mind transcend and hopefully have Evan and my doula kind of use body touch techniques to to soothe, to help the pain, calm. to calm. Yeah, so our doula came over about a week or two before and kind of showed Evan some hands-on techniques, practiced a little bit. You know, I really just envisioned a very long day or two days of laboring using all the tools that I had gathered. I wrote Evan a script of things to say exactly to, to calm me down, things not to say. That script never got seen. Same with the hypnobirthing. We never had to play it that We night. never played hypnobirthing. But- you know, one of my concerns going into it was, what if a panic attack happens? And you know, it's for obviously Lisa. For, yeah, Lisa. for Lisa. Yeah, I was never concerned for me, but now for you, it's an overwhelming experience, and there'd be every reason to potentially have that. And 
I've only seen Lisa have a panic attack once. Happened to be in her wedding night. So the night, the, the night before leading up to it. And it, you know, really took her out of capacity. And, you know, that was something that concerned me. If we were in that situation, you know, it could be harmful to her, essentially, if it was during the time of labor. So it was an important thing for me to make sure that she had all the tools. If we were going to be embarking on this, doing this at home, that she had all the tools where she was able and capable to self-soothe and make sure avoiding panic attack, essentially. Yeah, so that one panic attack I had took me out. It was like everything that, if you've listened to this podcast before, you follow me on social media, all the ways in which you know me, just you've never seen this side of me before. You know, I, I had never seen this side of her. And this I, is the wedding night. This is our, <laughs> leading up to her wedding night. I had never seen this side of a her before. A panic attack is real. I mean, you're you're in a state of complete dissociation in many ways, fear, you're just struggling to get back to water where you can't be rational. And all, most importantly, your tools go out the window, you know, right. and I've got and that's lots what of I tools. saw. And that, yeah, that was one of, you know, my fears leading up to this. So what happened next? So yeah, I, I how did you envision our birth going down? I guess I should ask you because I envisioned so, it like I, soft which... music. Yeah, I pictured Dark louder lights. music, but it's, it's still, I had my own playlist, which I was never allowed to play. Thank but God, even the worst music. With the water birth, I pictured Lisa had planned she wanted to have a photographer there. Oh, yeah. You know, I pictured she'd be there. We had, you know, it was supposed to be the midwife, one or two of her assistants, doula. doula. There was going to be a lot of people. Lisa had set up a water station with, you know, so many she, snacks. With snacks and water and beverages and all sorts of entertainment. Like, well, like, just to be clear, I was... set this up on Saturday. We'll go back in time in a second. But yeah, I set this up on Saturday because we were... I thought I was going into labor two days before, which didn't happen. Right. So all of this was set up two days before, then labor didn't happen. I was kind of like, okay, well, I have no idea when this was going to happen. she thought, like, this is going to be a social event. Oh, no, like a I had cocktail. Two... Like, this is almost <laughs> yeah. going to be like a cocktail party. This is kind of like her yeah, baby, baby shower. shower. I had Abby, my best friend, on, on speed dial and Jacqueline if I needed, like, food because Evan can't cook me food or they would bring like I was like can you just bring me oatmeal if I need it or something I was really looking for a sensory everything that was soft on the senses slow dark really beautiful you know something that you'd see in a movie I guess so how to start once we got down to the birthing room well just to back up a few seconds before that the first sign of labor that I got came on Saturday, one week before my quote unquote due date. I don't believe in due dates for many reasons. In a lot of other cultures, they don't even have due dates. They have due months because it's it's too precise to know when your baby's actually going to come. So I never believed in a due date, but I always thought my baby was coming early. I thought even earlier than she did. So one week before my due date, August 28th on Saturday, I woke up, I went to the bathroom, I wiped. I had discharge with like a pinkish color to it, which was a little bit of blood. There's something called bloody show. It's one of the earlier signs of labor. So um, sometimes people lose their mucus plug. Sometimes people's water break. Sometimes you have bloody show. All the things that I thought I knew about labor, like I thought women go into labor and they know that they're in labor. But really, there's so many different ways it could happen. Not everybody loses their mucus plug or knows that they lose their mucus plug. Not everybody's water breaks. Like everything we've seen on TV is just inaccurate. You're constantly in your last few weeks of pregnancy being like, wait, is this labor? Is this labor? I have a cramp. Is this a contraction? Is this that? So, I mean, I've continued to look at the toilet paper every time I've wiped since I found out I was pregnant because I had bleeding and I never got out of that habit. So seeing it again was almost like tying this whole thing up in a bow where I was like, okay, I, I think I'm going to go into labor today. It was Saturday. 
And we kind of like went around town doing like light activities, thinking that we were going to be in labor that night. A storm was coming the next day. We were a little bit panicked that she was going to come during a storm and our midwife and our doula wouldn't be able to make it. Um, Saturday night, we had a little ceremony. We went up to the meditation nook. Yeah, we set our intentions for parenting. Just took a moment to kind of clear the energy and prepare for her arrival. It's something we did when we got married and when we first moved to this house, I think, as well. Yeah, we're not like we do these things all the time, but I personally think it's really helpful to connect with Evan in a way that, you know, he responds really well to that carved out time and it's really good for our relationship. And I don't know, I think it's just like it it was it was great, right? Yep. So Sunday came, the storm came and went, no other signs of labor. Monday came and And I went to work. I did not (laughs) think I was going to work Monday. Everyone at work knew going into the weekend. I I really didn't. I thought it was happening that weekend. So I did not expect to go. You were like upset. You had like mentally. I felt like, you know, yeah, I thought I had. I was like, when when you you think you're going to get a snow day, snow day, and then you have to go into work. Driving into work that day, it really felt like that. I was like, I really didn't think I was going into work that day. And we also had a code word for if I went into labor while Evan was at work, what I would text him. Do you remember it? I know it's from Dynasty, but I'm the show we watched. You forgot our code word. Something about Greece. Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. (laughs) We never got to use our code word, sadly, but maybe we'll use it for something else. Okay, so Monday happened and I felt pretty fine. Evan went into work and it was kind of like, okay, well, when is this baby going to come? I actually have no idea. I was convinced she was going to be a Leo. Monday was the last day of Leo season. And it was also a full moon. I was convinced that the full moon was going to pull her out. All, all of my gut instincts that I had like leading up to this kind of just kept falling off one by one. So Monday night, we go to bed, right? Go to bed. Yeah, we go to bed. And I mean, I, I've had ins- chronic insomnia before I got pregnant. But uh, in this last trimester, I was up every single hour on the hour peeing, like without a doubt, 12 to 14 times a night. So like any other night, I, you know, we went to bed probably 10, 11 ish. I was up at 12. At 1.30, I went to the bathroom. And I wiped, and it was for the first time a clear liquid on the toilet paper. And it was a little bit, a clear, thickish liquid, I should say. It wasn't anything I've had before. And it smelled weird. Um, I don't know, not, not bad, not good, almost like a little bit sweet. And it was like nothing I ever smelled before. So I texted my midwife, and I said... You know, I told her I'm having this sweet smell, and she said that doesn't sound anything like. I said I think my water is breaking. She said that doesn't sound anything like your water, and pretty much, you know, was not concerned that I was going into labor anytime soon. I guess your words were, "I think my water broke a little," and at the time we didn't. You don't know what it's like to have your water right. break, and water can burst. I believe. I could be incorrect on this information, but I think some people, their water does leak yeah. and then maybe it slowly leaks or it could, or it could burst. And I'll, like anything, there's a lot of variability. Right. So I don't, I don't want to say necessarily that everybody has, didn't, no, but that was not my water you. fully breaking, which we'll, we'll get to as we kind of hear what happened. So my, my midwife said that doesn't sound anything like your water breaking, go back to sleep. I texted her, the baby was moving a lot. I felt like the baby was kind of like tickling very low down. 
and it was 1.30 and I don't, I, you know, I didn't want to wake Evan up prematurely. So I kind of just sat there for a while. And at 1.35, I texted him. I think my water may have broke a little. I texted him even though he was next to me. <laughs> I just had to like talk to him even though without waking him up. Went to the bathroom. There's clear fluid. It smells a little sweet. Not going to wake you. I'm tired. I hope it's not it. I'd like to get a little bit more rest. And then I said, I have cramping like a period going to rest now about 20 minutes later. So that's almost at 2 a.m. And I said at 1.57, so just at 2 a.m., strong discomfort may be the first contraction. At around 2.30, I woke Evan up and I told him I think I might be having contractions and to start tracking them. That's how you know when you're going to be admitted to a hospital or when labor is happening, right, Ev? What's the, the rule? So it's once you get contraction. I mean, for some people, it's a little bit different based on their risk, but as a general rule, once you're having contractions that are lasting at least a minute with five minutes in between. Five minutes in between. It's typically when people go to the hospital. First one that we track, this is my first time looking at it since that night. Yeah. Um, so August 24th, 2.29 a.m. was the first. And I guess we, we weren't even sure, I guess, if there were contractions. Oh, yeah, some I didn't of these know are, Yeah, eight-second episodes, 10-second episodes. I thought it felt like cramping, like period Right, type you feelings. kept saying cramping, one second, four second, like all these brief things. And I guess then I was starting to think, boy who cries wolf, I hmm. think. Because Lisa said, I don't know, is this maybe just related to what I ate last night? Maybe this I isn't having a stomach contractions. Ache. I think, you know, I'm just having a stomach ache. I see here, poisoning. I'm looking here, 343, it's two seconds, five seconds. Like there are all these very brief episodes. Become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually 
in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Okay, so Evan writes to our doula and midwife, and they said check back in at 5. So at 3.25, we decide to text the midwife and doula. I tell Evan that it's feeling pretty intense. And Evan says, hi, everyone. Lisa thinks she's going into labor. We'll start keeping track of the contractions. So far, these are the first few. And he sent a screenshot where the average duration is 50 seconds, and the average frequency is every three minutes, right? Right, but some of these were these like two-second episodes. Right. So our midwife is like, just try and hydrate and rest. When did it start? My medulla says the same thing. They said, if it's cramping, just try and rest. Um, So Evan's answering the questions, and they're really asking, is it contractions or like cramps? The way she told me, it doesn't sound like contractions, but keep a pad on, evaluate, you know, as, as it keeps going. So I kept feeling intense surges, and they basically just said, you know, keep monitoring, check back in an hour. This was, that's what I remember. It was around four o'clock. She said, keep monitoring, check back in an hour. Oh, and, and they said, we're on standby for her at any time. If we don't hear from you around 6 a.m., they're going to check it. And that's what they said at 3.30 in the morning. And looking at the app At now, 5 a.m., you said. Well, from 4 to 4.30, I see it's pretty much okay. on the mark of five minutes, every five minutes. 4.30 or so. So we head downstairs. I don't know what time, do you? Yeah, we decided to go down. To our birthing room. Yeah, maybe we're, we moved to the room that we had planned on doing the birth in probably around 4, four. o'clock in the morning. Yeah, So it's clear the midwife and the doula are in no rush to get to us. They're not concerned that I'm going into labor anytime soon. And um, I I just know that I want to go like get into the relaxation mode and go into the birthing room and try and get situated. I want Evan to blow up the pool because he's never done that. I begged him to make sure that the pool would work and he didn't do that. I wanted to just kind of relax. So we head there and I'm still trying to figure out are these contractions or is this a stomach ache? I was terrified of being the boy that cried wolf because our doula and our midwife are about an hour away. I was just envisioning them coming and then it not being labor. And then like, when would they come again and trust that I, you know, know what's going on? Um, We have some footage of me being like, is this labor? Is it not? But the contractions were intense from the beginning. And then they were picking up with intensity. At one point, we were on the couch for about 20 minutes in the living room watching Look Who's Talking. Oh, yeah. And we walk out. Yeah, we were in... That's what you turn on the TV and that's of all movies, look who's talking to us. Right, where the baby's just, you know, <laughs> talking, you know. It's a great movie it's if great you movie. haven't seen it. You always think about it during pregnancy and during labor and all those things. So we watched like 20 minutes of it and then it started to get more intense and we went to the bed and I was trying to figure out what to do with my body because it was incredibly uncomfortable. The contractions were one minute long which was really helpful to know um, that contractions are one minute or long. They, In hypnobirthing, we call them surges because they kind of start kind of low. They rise up, 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 and then they kind of dissipate and go back down like a wave or a surge. And I was kind of holding on to the fact that, you know, in less than a minute, it's going to be over. And there was so much with hypnobirthing and affirmations that I didn't get to do. But I will say that what I did do or what I What naturally ended up happening is I just kept thinking each contraction brings me closer to my baby. That was just like replaying in my head. 
again, still not knowing if it was a contraction, but the pain was getting so intense and the surges were so tight that that was kind of like me holding on. And then Evan decided to um, kill a spider with this spray that smelled awful of all the timing. And when I don't feel well, when I'm nauseous, when I'm like, I mean, I think everybody, like nobody wants to be annoyed by smells or sounds or yeah, bug spray in particular. So nobody was really like taking me very seriously. And I, I was taking myself seriously, but everything that I had heard about first time laborers, moms, was that labor is really long. So there was no way that I thought that I was anywhere close to giving birth. And then it was like when you have food poisoning or something and it's kind of like you're getting more nauseous and it's intensifying and you have to go to the bathroom. So I started to feel like pain in my stomach and nausea. And so I went where anybody would go when they are feeling those sensations to push, I guess, which is the toilet. And I was there for a while and just not sure, Am I, is this just a bad stomach ache? Am I going to throw up? At around 5 a.m., you send the contraction. The hour follow-up. Yeah, the one-hour follow-up. And our doula writes back, hi, I just reviewed. Can we talk? So we call her, and I remember Myla is wonderful, and she was very calm. Um, And I remember the intensity of the surges really picking up, and she just sounded really calm. And I was starting to get a little bit less calm, and I didn't feel that she was really recognizing how intense it was. And... Evan will also say, admit, I should say, that he was not accurately reporting what I was explaining, right? I guess I was underselling the severity of it. I thought also... Not intentionally, of course. No, I thought it was several hours. I figured we had several hours ahead of us, and I didn't want to prematurely have him rush over if it was going to be a 5 p.m. delivery, have him, you know, woken up at 4 or 5 in the morning... You know, I, I recognize the fact that this is something they get calls every single night, someone who's going to be going in and they need to triage whether or not it's something they need to wake up now at 4 a.m. or is it something that at 7, 8 o'clock in the morning they um, can come over. And I remember while we were in that bathroom, I did wipe again and the blood was blood, blood, blood. You know, I had real bloody show and you told you know, yeah, and our midwife, and she said, bloody, blood is bloody show. All These are all great signs, but it's going to take time for the baby to come. So one surge at a time. Again, we were FaceTiming and uh, with them, and, and they. I know that they're an hour away, and neither of them right, seem to have any home. urgency to get in their car. And I'm on the toilet, and it starts to feel like something needs to come out of my body in some way. I'm grabbing the something to throw up. I'm starting to push to, I don't know if I should, it felt like I couldn't be in my own body anymore and I didn't know what to do with it. I remember you put the shower on. I was like, maybe the heat of the shower would be good. I stepped into the shower and I was like, no, I can't be in the shower. And I was like, you, you went to go blow up the birth pool or put the water (laughs) in the birth pool. Remember? Yeah. And you got very annoyed by the sound of it. Oh, the sound of it because I was, I was it was happening. It was really starting to happen. And I was getting lightheaded and I couldn't see and I didn't know what to physically do with my body. And Myla, the the doula said, go on all fours, which is a position that can be very helpful in the earlier stages of labor to take the pressure off of the pelvis, I believe. And so I would follow her instruction and it was like, not the right position for me. And she has told us now in hindsight that that was kind of like her clue 
that I was progressing further along because that's a comfortable position for most people unless your baby is really descending descending yeah um so it gets a little bit blurry for me here ev because yeah because you were yeah delivering no but i was i was clammy i was getting really scared i remember holding onto your body screaming for an ambulance that's yeah at that point you did ask me to call 911 i i didn't know what to do with my body and i was getting really scared that i was unsafe or the baby was unsafe and I, I I was freaking out, and it was, please call an ambulance, and he was trying to keep me calm. And at that point, we were on FaceTime with the midwife. Who was still in her house in Brooklyn. But she, at that point, she said, no, you don't need to call an ambulance. I'm getting in the car now. And we saw she was outside um, walking. Okay, well, I don't remember that, but I remember saying to the doula, she's coming. Like, I meant, like, my baby's, like, literally going to come out of my vagina. And she being like, yes, she is going to be here very soon, Lisa. Like, they were trying to keep me so calm again because of they assumed there was several more hours but also because of what you had told them and our kind of poor well i told yeah that you had mentioned you thought it might be a stomach ache and (laughs) yeah we showed a lot of um, i mean you even when you went into the bathroom was you thought you had to go to the bathroom remember you said i feel like i have to yeah well i did poop remember I remember. I, I would like to share with everybody <laughs> that um, pooping in front of your partner is a really big fear that I, I've always had, first of all, during labor. And I think a lot of women hold it. And at one point, I remember I went up to get to the shower and there was poop on the floor. <laughs> like, I don't even I've never pooped on the floor before. And I think, did you step in it? I think you stepped in it. Right. And I wasn't even in. He's shaking his head. He stepped in, in my poop. And I said, Evan, you stepped in my poop and probably more of a heightened voice. Um, and he was so cool about it, and he's not cool about those things in general. Like, our pre-birth poop plan was Evan saying, just don't poop during labor. <laughs> That's what I said. And I said, what if I poop during labor? He said, yeah, just just don't do that. And in the heat of it all, it was so fine and not embarrassing and so, like, primal. You were just in a different state of taking care of me, I guess. I don't know. So it gets a little blurry for me how we knew that it was kind of progressing. Is it when I said... You keep saying, I feel the baby's head. Okay, so I, I felt the baby's head from my physical body. And then I put my hand up a little bit. And if anybody gets squeamish, maybe just fast forward 15 seconds or so into this. But I put my finger in and I felt something. And it felt like... My description is kind of gross. So again, just fair warning here. Um, it felt like an eyeball. Like it felt glossy and membranous, I guess. And I just assumed, thinking that a baby was coming down, that that was my baby's head. So I said, Evan, I feel her head. And he was on FaceTime with the midwife. And he had to look, right? So you looked at that point. And my body, by the way, is just naturally pushing. Like I thought when I seen women in labor before, they're going, like intentionally, like my body, this was happening to my body. So like I'm going, or like, right? Is that what it was? That's my memory. Yeah. And I kind of had to like go back in in time and revisit a little bit of trauma to kind of remember that there. But I remember that I just have to keep putting like that just to like be okay. Become a part of the fast growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. 
Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Very so I'm at pushing. At this point, yeah, she, she and she's th- saying i feel the head and i said no i don't see anything she said no i feel the head and at that point i was on facetime with the midwife and i went to examine her and at that point that's when the water broke so and it was not subtle it was not and it was all over me (laughs) so my water broke with evan looking for on facetime both you know, the midwife and I saw it very clearly. I think I remember you screaming like something just exploded and went into the toilet, right? I uh, may like, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like a mucus. Uh, you said I think you thought it was my yeah. my mucus plug or some I don't know what, but something like dropped into the toilet, and that's when things got a little panicky. I think. Not then. actually. I don't really remember what happened after that. No, after the water broke. At this point. The midwife's moving. You could tell she's definitely moving. She's looking she, for her keys in her kitchen. <laughs> she's not moving on the on the expressway getting she, here, but she realizes she that time, moving. Is, um, time is, is of the essence. And I think, again, you said, do I call an ambulance? And I, at that point, said, I see the baby's hair. Does that mean, I knew how far away she lived. Does that mean I have a half a, is there any chance? I, I said, is there any way, does that mean we still have a half hour left? And At least I was, you know, I was hoping that that meant there was enough time for her to get there. 
And from and, from somebody who's never labored before and probably a lot of listeners that haven't, it was an out-of-body experience for me where, like, there was no stopping what was happening to my body. Those pushes that I was explaining that I thought women do, they were happening to me. Like, there was no stopping the gravitational pull of the baby coming out of me, right? And, right. and I, I, things are kind of, like, black for me. So I'm, I do remember looking at you and noticing trepidation, realizing that it's happening, that it's just the three, two of us at the time, and that you are a little bit less bravado than you were when you would tell me about your 28 births that you've <laughs> delivered before. 15 years before, but... And I'm still over I the always toilet, loved by it. the way. I always loved it. Yeah, we were in the bathroom, but you were like standing kind of over the toilet. Okay, You're so like, like up against the wall. Position, but still over the but toilet. I, I, the hair was like in a cone almost. It was aw. obviously covered with mucus and bodily fluids. But the first thing I was shocked, I wasn't picturing my baby was going to have hair. And this massive amount of like this cone spike of of hair that I see sticking out. And that's when I realized, you know, we were really getting close. And I knew just the timing. I knew there was no way the midwife was anywhere close. And at that point, I think Lisa repeated again, okay, we need to call an ambulance. And again, I'm on FaceTime and our midwife said, you know, there isn't time for that, you need to grab a towel. I mean, at 5.30 a.m., we're still texting with Yen, saying, um, you said large bloody mucus is coming out. Yen said it will continue to come out through the labor. Myla says, great news, all very normal. Feel free to take pictures. Evan said, thank you. Definitely progressing in, uh, Evan's very like polite. Thank you. Definitely progressing in intensity of contractions at 5.37. Keep <laughs> in mind, I, the baby was out of my body at 5.52. At around 5.40, we texted with Yen. Yen was on her way. I have a picture of my f- on my phone of the full moon. I went at 5.41. So I know 5.41. 5.41, I think you were nauseous. So oh, you yeah, asked me drinking. to get a Dr. Brown so cream glad, soda. I'm so glad we so, brought that up. My <laughs> you asked me labor to get a was... Dr. Brown cream soda. So I went to the kitchen. <laughs> I and... only drink soda when I'm nauseous. It's the only thing I will do. And I, I was like, Dr. Brown's cream yeah. soda. I've so I, never drank that before. On the way coming back, I just look out the window and I notice there was a full moon. I knew Lisa would think that's poetic. And I took a picture. So I have a blurry picture on my phone of the full moon and it's time 541. And then, yeah, so fast forward a few minutes when I put the phone down with the midwife, she had said, you know, you don't have time for an ambulance. You need to call, you need to grab a towel. And I Grab, you know, we didn't even have Lisa's phone. We only had one phone by us. We were not prepared. We were not in the water pool. We were. There was no photographer. There was no beautiful uh, there images. Was, there was no time for Evan to. There was help no me gloves. And I, I had no talked gloves. the week before at the midwife visit. I had asked, do I wear, you know, do, do I wear gloves if I'm helping with it? Or, I mean, this, there were no gloves. I simply grabbed. Standing the, over the toilet. He I just grabbed stepped the pool in my towel. Poop. I grabbed the pool <laughs> towel and. Then I was back, and the next thing I know, start seeing the top of her head coming. Now I see the whole, before it was just this cone of hair. Now I see the whole rounded part of the head. And I remember my body's just doing that, "Mm," and it feels like every orifice of mine is about to explode. Like something wants to come out of my ear, my eyeballs, my mouth, my butt, my vagina all at once. (laughs) And then, you know, the next big contraction, you know, one of the most life-changing moments, I see her face come out. Her whole head came out, and that was the first time I locked eyes with 
my daughter, her eyes were closed and the scariest part was her mouth wasn't opening. And well, most so people, her neck. well, most people, you know, are always concerned with crying. Anyone who's done any sort of labor and delivery knows you know, a cry is the best thing. That's what you're wanting is to hear a cry because a cry means a baby's breathing and her mouth wasn't moving. And my vagina is wrapped around her neck. Yep. Her whole head is out. It's the first time seeing her, which was obviously such an emotional thing. But she, you know, at this point she wasn't breathing. And I knew I, you know, time was of the essence and I needed to get her out. I needed to get her out immediately. And going back to what I had said about that panic attack, my one fear of the home birth was that Lisa would have this panic attack and lose control. Lisa said, she goes, what's happening? And she keeps saying, what's happening? I guess she saw it with me. You could hear Evan's voice now. I was very concerned that any reaction to what's happening would cause her to go into a panic attack and And clench and strangle the baby, essentially, and and be counterproductive. And she couldn't see anything over her belly. So I just said, I'm starting to see the head. (laughs) Keep pushing, you know, one more contraction and guided her out. And with the next contraction... Immediately, you know, the, that whole thing was maybe four seconds or 10 seconds. And I have no idea time of the entire night. The whole thing, was, I might as well have been like drunk because I can't remember clearly what was. Well, with the next push, got her out, you know, with, you know, full force. She comes out with fluids flying everywhere, the umbilical cord flopping out and, you know, the most beautiful sound of her crying and we immediately lifted her right up to Lisa's arms and chest, and right away she latched basically within a second. Um, to my nipple. Right? Yeah, her right away. Um, and was crying, which oh. was such a warm welcome to hear. Um, you know, it's one of the best things to hear crying, as far as, you know, from a safety standpoint, knowing that I didn't have to do anything to worry about aspiration. I didn't have to do any suction, um, which was good because I, again, only had a pool towel with me despite all these resources that I had planned and had in you know a different room and a cl- all these medical Emergency equipment. Supplies. I had all this medical equipment, but I didn't think labor was happening for another 12 hours. So none of it, it was all sitting in a box somewhere. And it was... <laughs> I, I just remember looking at your face and it's... Like it was, I had no, I, I was in a state of shock and disbelief and um, I, I don't even know how to explain what I was in where I almost felt a little bit numb and you were already teary eyed and crying and shaking. Like you were processing your emotions and oh, he's, <laughs> <laughs> and you put, you put her on my chest and all, I guess I was in just like mama bear mode of like, let her know she's safe where I, I, I couldn't get to like the softer emotions yet and you know she's on my chest bare covered in blood and yeah this is so normally in a hospital right away they They take the baby off and clean before they they give the the baby to the mom normally not as covered i believe as that and and the other thing is we were so i all this i was on facetime with the midwife she was assisting via facetime and Really, the second that I, again, I was wishing I had two phones, and Elisa's phone was in the bed. 
So that was too far to reach. I only had my phone, which was that I needed FaceTime for that you know, direction. And the second I handed the baby to Lisa, I just said, I'm calling you back in a minute, hung up quickly and switched to camera so I could get a picture of Lisa and the baby. And I have a quick video, I think it's like five seconds or 10 seconds uh, from literally just seconds after, within 15 seconds of delivery, I have that raw video. And it's unlike any first picture I think I, I've ever seen because it's everyone's covered in blood, not just the baby, but there's blood on Lisa's face. There, It's, it's the most raw, emotional a... picture. I mean, you, I think you can feel what the energy was in the room from this picture. I know. It's, I'm undecided if I'm going to share anything because some people are so icky with blood. And it's I don't very... Wanna... Yeah, it's very raw, but to me, I don't know. To I love me, it it's, as well. Yeah, it's the most amazing picture. I'm not sure where it, we'll land on that. To me, it's the entire experience in that picture. It's, I mean, my voice, everything sounds so different. And just to back up for a second of how I envisioned, you know, my labor, my pictures, <laughs> I remember packing my, right, ho- we had a, we had an emergency things, hospital yeah. bag, by the way. Um, and I was like, oh, Evan, grab my makeup. Remember I sent you right. for my makeup to put me in there? Because I was like, I'd like to have a little bit of makeup on just for some pictures or whatever. I mean, there was no makeup. There was my hair, you know, just just really natural um and there was no there was no production to it but then after oh right so it's not over yes for everyone listening you don't just give birth to a baby that it's not over after the baby you have to right away normally you wait a while for the placenta to be delivered so you you grow an organ during your pregnancy which is the lifeline for the baby right and it's not a tiny thing it's bigger than the baby it's about about the size of the the size of a baby yeah, it's an organ called the placenta, and it supplies all the nutrients Larger to the baby. Larger than an iPad. Larger than an iPad, and it connects to the umbilical cord, right? Yep, so the baby's umbilical cord is co- connected to the placenta. Mm-hmm. And in Lisa's case, so baby's immediately out. after, baby's in her hands. Baby's in my arms, um, hugging her so tight. And a minute later, part of the placenta is actively coming out, and... So and they were the telling things. me they were telling me that I have to wait for more contractions to deliver the placenta, but I wasn't feeling any more contractions at that point, uh, at least that were making me like push. So I wasn't doing anything. My OB rotation was about fifteen years before, so I was a little rusty on my. No, you retained it. I think you were. I, right. I was a little you, rusty you on the OB. So one of the things I remembered about delivering a placenta was. You really just wanted to avoid any retained products. That could become a major issue. You keep saying that. What does retained products mean? You don't want a part of the placenta to remain inside of you. Got it. So you want to remove it intact. It's important to remove the placenta intact. You, When you deliver the placenta, you check to make sure that it's all there. So that was an important thing. I remember I was afraid that if I delivered it too rapidly, that potentially a piece of it would remain intact. Okay, so inside of you. So oh. now the placenta is very large. <laughs> Sorry, if you can't tell, we got the our, our baby started crying in the middle of this, so we had to pick it up and we're breastfeeding at the same time. But um, we want her to be part of this story anyway. So now you get to hear her. Maybe a little bit of sucking noises. Um, maybe a little bit of crying. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. 
Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. So yeah, you're, you're, I didn't know that I'd have to deliver the placenta in such a way. And I'm sitting on the toilet with the, the the baby now on my chest. And he's telling me it's dangerous to remove the placenta. So you need to sit here until the next contraction or until the midwife comes. Right? Yeah. And well, I didn't want Lisa's holding the baby. I didn't want Lisa to drop her. Lisa's still a little bit shaky, little clammy. A little bit shaky. I don't know where it's going to Lost a lot of blood. And I'm afraid really to walk from the bathroom to the bed to get her lying down because I can't, if Lisa was to pass out, I can't hold her, hold the baby and the placenta. And right now my hands, the placenta is nearly the size of a football. I'm holding the placenta. So it's like half in, half out of me. Yeah. And, you know, she's kind of leaning forward against me when we have the baby in between us. And after, you know, 15 to 20 minutes of this, um, we decide we're going to try to get to the bed. Um, With the so placenta could, still in So me. that she could lay down. And we basically hobbled over and you know, with her kind of leaning towards me and made it to the bed, lie down. And, and I, I just sat there with the placenta half in, half out of me, baby on me, I'm trying to it. process what the heck just happened. <laughs> we just delivered a baby in our house by ourselves. Nobody was there. My baby's out of my body. I'm no longer pregnant. I mean, 
the miracle of life just uh, happened in front of our eyes. I labored <laughs> for four hours. Um, I was told that I pushed for 22 minutes, although that doesn't really make sense if you saw the moon at 41. I think I pushed for 10 minutes. I, I, I think I pushed for even less, honestly. Yeah, I guess if I was getting Dr. Brown's, maybe Dr. that Brown. was... No, that's when the contractions had started picking up. Got it. But I think that, a like, getting the before. baby out of my belly quick. were well, the two water broke. Well, the water broke, obviously, after 441. I wasn't going for, right. you know, a walk. Right, right. So, I mean, I the remember the whole... labor, the whole... like, the whole advanced labor was... It was very, very quick. Um, right. You know, we were on the bed. And I was still holding the placenta when, when the midwife came. And then she delivered the rest of the placenta. And... She One said that it was things, actually already out. It was just yeah, kind of just sitting I was just on me. Holding, I was, was afraid scared. to like pull it, so I was like holding it kind right. of. Right, it was already detached from me. It kind of worked out for me, not so much for you, because yeah, yeah, because this—that's what I was going to mention. You know, we put a lot of thought and time and discussion beforehand in our pregnancy planning or or, or labor deli- planning. labor planning about cord blood, and it was something that ever since like med school, I've thought is something that potentially has value and that potential at least to me was worthwhile to pursue there's a lot of debate on whether or not there's any real potential to it but you can submit to a public registry or you can have private registry where you retain the stem cells that are present in court blood um, for later use for your family essentially anyone because obviously it's a good genetic match um, to potentially use it down the line we had talked about Evan's it. a planner, and this I is like this insurance. is a very Evan thing. It's really expensive, but Evan yeah. felt really good about it. The but downside to it was that they they'd have to cut you the cord. Can't have delayed cord clamping. Yeah, so I wanted delayed the, cord. You need cutting. to get the cord blood essentially while it's alive. Lisa wanted. Lisa wanted. Delayed. I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to wait to cut her cord because um, there's some benefits to the blood, the iron returning. returning back to the baby if you don't cut it immediately. In the hospital, they cut it pretty quickly, unless stated otherwise, as part of your plan or preference. She really was leaning towards that. I wanted to feel the baby's skin. I didn't want her to rush the process. I wanted it to be just really soft and sensory, not rush the baby taken from me, all the things. Sorry if all you could right. hear her sleeping on me and smiling right and now. I think like at, at the last meeting, mommy, mommy knows me. Oh. We, we we decided to do cord blood. Yes, I allowed them I to have it. But I felt that I probably had kind of pushed her a little bit. It wasn't necessarily what well, you, she... You had told me that you and the midwife decided that you would wait 20 to 30 minutes. Um, Second. Seconds? Yeah. You can't oh. wait 30 minutes. Remember, it was like, oh, a minute, we'd wait like a minute. Oh, so you could wait up to like three minutes, basically. Okay, well, anyway, <laughs> we clearly I, missed that window by the time she got yeah, there. Yeah, by the time she came, I had the, you know, I had the cord blood box. that I remember I went, after she delivered the placenta, I got the box and I said, I knew it was too late, but I said, any chance we could get any of the cord blood still? And... So what was wonderful about that, or probably not wonderful to all the of you, obviously was now. That meant I could do very delayed cord cutting, which meant for hours which uh, meant that we laid in bed. <laughs> the baby stayed connected to her placenta. The placenta sat in a piece of Tupperware. I have many pictures of it, the elegance of the placenta in there. And it's really not gross. It's really beautiful. It looks like a tree. And it's not, it, although you see all the blood, it's not like 
like blood you can touch. It's actually encased kind of in like a clear, right? That's yeah. my memory of it. Yep, and the umbilical cord is very ropey. I don't recall oh, yeah, so ever touching an umbilical cord like this. I, like with very rubbery, ropey, firm. Yeah, so the midwife and doula arrive. Um, so eventually they arrive, and you may be thinking that they're not a good midwife or doula because they weren't there. But I actually have to tell you that they were amazing, and I still wouldn't change a thing about them. The hours after labor, I felt so supported by the two of them. Um, I felt so nurtured and I felt like the environment almost after delivery, actually it's the first time I'm thinking about this and saying it out loud, is so important, almost more important than your laboring experience in those hours after where you're actually to describe. So now we have the midwife, the doula there, Lisa, myself and our baby. Soleil. Um, we were all in bed. You know, this wasn't in an exam room, a hospital room. You know, we were, we were laying in the comfort of our bed. And at this point, you know, certainly it was world of more comfortable than any hospital pre or post COVID. We're laying in bed with our midwife, our doula in bed, like all of them taking care of me, doing their, their tasks. Um, really, you know, Yen we, stepped at the, this point, yeah, the newborn, the midwife did the newborn exam. That was and, still hours after there was a lot of examining. So just to also share some of the, the, the experiences that I was not prepared for, a was not prepared for the blood loss that happens as a mom. I was not prepared for the bleeding. Um, we had to put like chucks under the bed and I still bled through that and everything. Remember, I mean, uh, we had to yeah. throw out our mattress so, cover <laughs> The, and, and that blood doesn't stop, by the way. It continues for weeks. So the mom is losing a lot of blood and it's it's scary and it's painful. And my body started shaking. Do you remember my legs? Yeah. So I'm in bed. I've got my baby on me and it doesn't hurt and I don't feel cold or anything. But my legs are just going like like I have the shivers. Somebody on my Instagram told me it's called uh, the birth quakes because your body's just quaking. I had never heard of that. I wasn't expecting it. I still felt calm. Because my environment was calm, but I was still so out of control of my body and sensations of pain were starting to come back and I got examined for tears, which I have had. And, you know, I, I was prepared for perennial tears, perineum, what is the word? Perineal. Perineal. Yeah. So per perineal tearing is what I was cautioned about. And Evan and I tried to practice what's called perineal massage to prepare the, the canal. And the perineum is the space between the vagina and the um, butt. So a lot of people tear right there. And I had none of that, but I had labial tears. Um, you know, I dilated to 10 centimeters in four hours, which is kind of unheard of. And the baby flew in a race car out of my, you know, vagina and tearing ultimately happened. Not the worst type of tears, but... I remember Evan, you you know, the three of them were kind of looking at the same time and Evan was like, whoa. And I, I truly didn't realize what tearing is. And I don't want to scare anybody by saying that, um, but it is a, kind of what can happen during childbirth and you get stitches and I'm still, you know, I'm about six days out right now. And it is one of the hardest parts of the physical recovery for me because it, it stings and she's doing the stitches and I just gave birth without medication and I reached my threshold for pain. I said, no more stitches. And she said, you could use a few more stitches. I said, I can't take it anymore. I, I declined the probably necessary amount of stitches that I needed enough to be medically safe. But like just to just describe that I had had enough, you know, 
anyway, so, you know, she took, she was assessing me, my blood pressure, the baby's blood pressure. Um, the doula was just supporting me emotionally. I remember the first pee, which was a few hours after, I, I felt pretty okay. I was running on so many different hormones of excitement and everything that if they weren't there, I would have just gotten out of bed and tried to pee and probably passed out. And the two of them were holding me and it took me probably 15 minutes to make it back to the bathroom to pee. So lightheaded, had to keep sitting down. You don't realize how traumatic the experience is on your physical body, the blood loss and and all of that. And I again, I just felt so held and safe with them. So Ev, what was the best part of our home birth for you? It's the most meaningful thing in the world to be able to deliver her myself. It was such a special moment for the three of us. I mean, that was, that clearly is above and beyond anything else. But, but the other things, just the comfort of her home, having that after time, the recovery, our first time with Saleya, just being in, in our bed and home, as opposed to in a hospital, going to a nursery, being institutionalized, you know, it's such an institutional thing, something that, you know, that was one of our original reasons for wanting a home birth, because we, if medically she didn't need to be in a hospital, we didn't want her to be in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you had said uh, a few days ago, like you didn't even count her fingers or toes. There was no inspecting. There was no time. Yeah, there was no. It was a few hours until we did, you know, we did the kind of newborn exam, you know, the parent exam where we counted her fingers and toes and, you know, really inspected her. But it was several hours before we really did that. We were just hanging out with her and it was just the, the best three of time us. in the world. Like it was really, it was, you know, we really changed in that moment. We became a family of three um, and there, it was just no going back from that moment. It was just. Yeah, that was the most special thing. Never would I imagine that this is how I birthed the child in my home with just my husband and the three of us. <laughs> and it's like the most Again, it it worked out wonderfully and safely, so we're able to say this from such a fortunate place, but it worked out so incredibly. Um, Any negatives of a home birth? You know, we never went to... So some people with a home birth then go to the hospital after, you know, so we... Um, Yeah, we did not. That is a question I keep getting. We never went to the hospital, unfortunately, didn't need to, um, and just decided to go to... We went to a pediatrician two days later. One day later, yeah. It was recommended that we... That day? Yeah, we went the next day. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, so the next day, I guess, we went to the pediatrician. Yeah. So any negatives? I mean, obviously, the, the big negative is is the risk. If something, You know, fortunately, this everything went picture perfect. There's a lot of medical things that could, could happen at the time of delivery. Um, you know, if... We administered her right vitamin away. K I mean, shot... Um, yeah, the, things things happen. No, we did, we, we did all the, all the things we, that they would have done in a hospital. For yeah, her. no, we did a lot of that stuff. But no, I mean, if the cord was around her, if shoulder dystocia. I just think people might think that like we didn't give her anything. Like, no, the same things still, that the baby would get at a hospital. No, she or got, got everything. She got everything she would have gotten, and and then completed the rest of it at the pediatrician office the next day. There was but, nothing actually to complete. That was just a checkup. They just checked her weight. Yeah. It was the same metrics that they they took with her but the yeah. reason we quote unquote rushed there that we went the day after instead of she didn't feed the, day, yeah, she the night after well i day. freaked That's out why. i panicked that evening first night of having a newborn that she wasn't 
eating totally normal, by the way, for Never a baby's appetite. It hasn't been down. a problem since then. But hmm. um, the only negative I would say is that we didn't get an auditory test. They have to do a hearing test. So now we have to take her to some place this week to, to get an, an auditory test. That's the only downside that I've had from that see, experience. Um, again, no. if you weren't a doctor, this could also, I, I wouldn't have had the same trust in you and you know, it just would have been probably a much more, a more high stress situation than it already kind of was. Yes. Aside from just the potential for medical emergencies, the only other thing I'd say the inconvenient is such a minor, minor thing, but, um, the inconvenience of documentation, um, when you're born in a hospital, Evan's a logistical person. If you can't tell, I've, I've, I would have never even gotten her birth certificate. Yeah, the hospital set up where you get your birth certificate, they register you for a social security card. All that doesn't happen in a home birth. And I mean, I think this largely also depends on the jurisdiction you're in, but certainly where we live, it's a small town where home births are not common. And I bet it's probably been decades since, you know, when we delivered the birth record to our village hall, (laughs) um, I'm sure it's been decades since they had to file for a birth certificate. It's certainly a much delayed process. And I would say getting a social security card is a very difficult thing, at least in the state of New York, when you're not born in a hospital. All right. So right before I went into labor, I had a, a girl DM me and she told me that basically her labor was one hour long and she delivered her baby on her bathroom floor a very similar story to what ended up happening to me but this was before we were talking about that before i was telling I everybody this story you're you like could you believe this i said a follower messaged me she went into labor <laughs> at 6 30 a.m by 7 a.m her baby was out on her bathroom yeah. floor we talked about this the night before and i just that's what i was praying for i was praying to just pop out my baby that's what i kept saying Um, I guess I prayed a little bit too hard or I drank a lot of raspberry leaf tea and dates, things that make labor easier or better in some believe. And I talked a lot about that. I guess it worked. No, I don't know if that worked, but I I did keep saying that I want to pop out my baby. And I swear this I claim this girl's energy or something. She threw it onto me because we had such similar birth stories. But the big difference is, is that her husband was not a doctor and he was completely panicked, freaked out, and she actually delivered the baby herself. So, Evan, just curious, there are women who do labor quickly, who are not married to doctors or, again, you're not like an OB, but you figured it out. But Definitely you but you were able, OB. but you said you were able to stay more calm than should you, if you weren't a doctor, the blood. Right. The, I think it was also more calming for you knowing that. But what about I your, ex- doctor, your experience, too? I, I you could read the room a little better. With the way it went, so it depends how things go. The way things went, I think a non-medical person could have done just the same. Um, if they were able to stay calm, though, too, like right. technically, and blood sure. and all sorts of other stuff can cause different levels of, of stress for, for different people. Right. I did the laboring. You did all the work. I just assisted. You, yeah, you assisted. But um, I would say my my overall thing from not just the pregnancy or the delivery, but especially the postpartum is the respect for what a woman goes through for this. I mean. Throughout this whole process, it's been an amazingly eye-opening journey. You know, so many people I work with um, are pregnant at work, and seeing what you went through through the pregnancy, knowing how hard it was each night with what you were going through, I, you know, I'd always say, you know, it's amazing 
all these people who are working with on their feet all day yeah, in with, the cath lab where he with worked. That. But now, even you know, in the postpartum, to see what go, what mm. someone's actually going through, you always think of the labor is the big thing. But yeah, this you know, has I'm been in shocking. shock about you know how much is involved with uh, the postpartum part. I'm, as you know, if you're following on Instagram, I'm completely in shock about the postpartum part. So, what should a husband or partner do if the labor is progressing quickly. What's the best thing that they can do? Just call 911? I'd say call 911 because you wouldn't back up to, we did not in our case. I think the medical background allowed me to know when, you know, mm-hmm. things were going appropriately. Mm-hmm. And so I felt comfortable. There was only that, you know, four second period that once she cried, I knew we were good. And there was only that one minute that I looked at you before her head came out where it was a complete look of peril, fear. And then you like shifted into Evan in action. Yeah. That's my memory. You know, we also had a midwife that we were in FaceTime with for guidance for each step. I think for anyone else who's in this situation where it's unplanned, call 911 because at least there's someone that can direct you the steps. It's just also it's an emotional support animal. It's, you know, someone to talk to and just, just knowing someone's there does help. It's also important just to have that line open so that if things deteriorate, you can rapidly alert someone. But I think it's a beautiful thing. You know, in our case, it really was, it was, I can't imagine a more special Keep in mind, we we didn't tell anyone that we were doing this. I had a A few friends that I had told. Most people did not know we were doing a home birth. Our families did not know and so they were in for no one at work. quite the surprise on Tuesday morning when they found out <laughs> that not only did we have a baby at home, in the bathroom, over the toilet, but that Evan delivered her. In fact, some of Evan's colleagues heard the story. And what did they think of? Initially, when they heard from my father that I had delivered the baby, they all were picturing in a hospital. So one of my friends and coworkers had mentioned to me yesterday, oh, did Lisa get out of the hospital yet? I go, we're at home. But not only that, you know, we never went to the hospital. I think it just was assumed when they said, oh, Evan delivered was a lot of doctors sometimes will, will help out with the delivery where, you know, as like a symbolic thing, the, the OB is delivering, but lets the, you know, father just put a hand on, on the head. But I think it was shocking to everyone to hear like, no, I actually delivered the baby with no one else in the room other than Lisa. And again, we're not people that come from this as like, we know a lot of people that have home births or like, you know, we come from pretty traditional uh, medical medical backgrounds, yeah, communities, cultures, whatever. And two days later, I remember waking up realizing, holy shit, (laughs) A, I have a daughter. Like, A, I don't know why it took me that long to realize that I have a a piece of lineage beyond me. And then the second thing was that I delivered her at home in my bathroom with just us. And I know I've said that a few times, but you know, prior to nine months ago, having a baby at home was a foreign concept to me. And I guess for, you know, a little bit, it didn't feel, it feels so crazy to so many people because the idea of a birth at home is so foreign. Whereas to us, you know, I was picturing this happening a few feet from where it happened. Um, I knew that some women actually do have birth over the toilet because that crouching position sounds really familiar to them um, or it feels really just natural and instinctual to them. So I, I didn't realize how much my brain and my thoughts around 
labor and what it could look like really had changed until that moment. And really seeing the reaction from Instagram, like, wait, you had a baby at home, um, made me realize that, like, my comfort, my, I had such, I have such a broader idea of the ways that women can have birth now. And it didn't even feel that crazy to me (laughs) that my husband delivered me at home with nobody else there. Like, if you told me 10 months ago before I was pregnant, that that's how it would go down, I would have said no freaking way. Like, that's, that's not, that's not a thing. It amazing. worked out, it worked out beautifully. It's, it it's very Lisa and Evan. Like, that's what everybody else keeps saying. It's as amazing as it could possibly be. And we're very, very fortunate and really couldn't have been better. You were a great birth partner. All I of did. my fears about you not showing up were, I mean, completely invalidated because you not just showed up, but I mean, our bond since then has been, I mean, just such a different relationship in of seven course. days. And you delivered as well. <laughs> what does that mean? I mean, you... You're proud of me. Oh, couldn't have been more proud. No, it was amazing how you handled it. And I said, one of my, my only fear in the beginning was that, you know, if you had this panic attack, and I mean, but you, it was amazing. I felt there was this 15-minute period, at least I had intense contractions for about 15 minutes, and it was, it was terrible watching her in pain and in such discomfort. It was just amazing what you went through and and how you handled yourself so calmly and and delivered. It was amazing. And there's no question an experience like this brought us even closer together. And it is only truly amazing. It has only continued to reinforce my understanding of the body's wisdom compared to so much of what we've been told. I don't feel, of course, I did the labor and everything, but it was almost like I didn't do it. My body did it. I do feel that partly it may have contributed to the, the speed of this all. The what? fact that you're in, you know, you weren't under anesthesia. Mm-hmm. You were in a natural position. You weren't on your back during this. It also, was, I do trust my body. So I just yeah, continue to. You were to, able to relax. and I would not say relax, but yeah. I was able to continue to. Be part of it. Be part of it. Yeah. And follow your body cues. Yes. There it is. There it is. Yeah. So. One thing I did say, because. People always ask, "What do you do it the same?" I, mm. You know, our midwife when she was there, mm. I told her oh, next time. First of all, I I'm someone who I, I didn't even know. I guess if I how into kids I'd be mm-hmm. going back a couple of years. Let's say, I told I joked with her. I want nine kids now. I want Lisa to get back and uh, be pregnant again. And I love this whole. But the one thing that you would do differently process. But I told her, yeah, the one thing I'd do differently. About eight months into the pregnancy, <laughs> she'd be sleeping over at her house until <laughs> Lisa delivers. Um, Definitely. And the good news is for me, my one feeling of trepidation are these tears. And second times are a lot less likely to tear. You already have the scar tissue. So um, I'll be back in business in no time. Not too soon, but um, well, with a week behind me already. If we recorded this a day or two after, you might be hearing a slightly different tune. But biologically, we are programmed as women to also not remember as much of the pain so that we do continue to reproduce. And I do feel like I have a huge smile on my face. And I know I was scared, so scared that night, especially when I I thought that my body was, you know, failing me. That's what it felt like, by the way. I felt like I was about to die. And then I got, like, it really felt like I was about to die when I was screaming for the ambulance. And then life again. And it, it pushes you to your freaking limits in the most exhilarating way 
that leaves you feeling empowered and more connected to your human superpower than than ever before. Um, so, Evan, thank you for being an amazing birth partner. I'll, I'll never forget it. We'll never forget it. Soli will never forget it. Mwah. And I'm excited to be on this journey with you and continue on. You couldn't have done a better job and I couldn't have been happier with the way it turned out. So that is our crazy birth story from start to finish, as many details as we could possibly remember. Uh, we're honored to share it with you. It was exciting. It was scary. It was all the things. Um, we feel super blessed. And please, I remind you to go back and listen to the first episode where you could understand why we made this informed choice and um, really get to know the process that we went through very behind the scenes so that you can make the most responsible choices for you and your family or your future family that you may be planning to have. Thank you all for your support this past week as well as I shared my postpartum unexpected struggles. Um, I probably could do a whole other podcast on that. But for now, thanks for listening. And we will see you next time on The Truthiest Life. Soli, say bye. Bye, everybody. Love you. Going to sleep now. <laughs> bye, everyone. See you next week. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career and here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.